Good morning. As she said, my name is Mike Myers. What does that do for you? I love that Hillary is the junior high pastor because it just brought back all kinds of memories for me being in junior high and having that name Mike Myers. <laughs> got the guy, the comedian on one hand, and then on the other hand, you have a killer named Michael Myers. So I just couldn't win. I couldn't win. But I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Mike Myers. I'm, I'm one of the teaching pastors uh, up at the Irvine campus. I'm mainly in our chapel up there. I teach and lead in there. Um, but kind of in Mariner's Farm system of, of development and growing. So I get to just experiment on all of you here this morning. So I'm so glad that you're here. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, but I am glad to be here. Uh, I also ran into Hillary uh, this week, and I had this red shirt on. It had a big O on it because I grew up in the great state of Ohio. I got one clap. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I know that USC and UCLA both won their games yesterday, so congratulations on that. You're 1-0. You're 1-0. It's only up from there, right? Only up from there. But um, uh, that, those things are not interesting about me. Let me tell you about the most interesting thing about me, and that is uh, this Friday, September 11th, I will be celebrating my two-month anniversary to my wife. We got married this summer. She's here, and... Uh, uh, just trying to not embarrass her as little as possible. But uh, she's here, and uh, I, I know that I'm new, but I, I brought some wedding pictures, and I apologize for that uh, in advance. Um, but this is, a, this is a picture of us about two months ago. I know, I know what you're all thinking. You're thinking, how did that girl get with that guy? All I can say is that God answers prayer. That's all I can say. But this next picture is probably one of my favorites because... That is, that is the look of victory right there. Like, that's what it looks like to accomplish something great with your life. And so I had a huge fist pump. So, but we're, I'm glad, we're glad to be here with you. Uh, it is a privilege. Uh, I love Pastor Jeff. Do you love Pastor Jeff? I love Pastor Jeff. Even though we've never really seen each other, I see Jeff all the time, and I'm always uh, just compelled by his, his love and his passion for the church, like Big C, like the way that he talks about God's church. It's so inspiring. It's so compelling. But then when he starts to talk about you people, it's even more inspiring and compelling. His love for you guys. And so I'm, I'm honored. Jeff is away with his wife, Amanda, getting some rest um, and some relaxation before he jumps back into the fall. Uh, but since he's not here, I'd like to let you in on a little information about your pastor, if that's okay. Uh, we go on pastor's retreats and things like that, and so your pastor is a fierce competitor. I don't know if you know, I know that he probably gets up in here, Jeff's very smart and right, and he's tall and he's handsome and he probably comes off as nice on the patio, but if you ever, if you ever get him on the basketball court, that's a whole different story. Not only is that guy a fierce competitor, but he can play like the one, he can play the two, he can play the three, he can play the four, he can play the five. And then also Mike Kenyon, Mike Kenyon, super nice, always smiling. Yeah, that guy will box you out, like give you the elbow, coming across the lane. So we got to watch out for those guys, but do love them. And I'm honored, honored, honored to be here with you this morning. So as we turn our attention to uh, God's word, what I love to do is always pray, always begin with a word of prayer. And so I'm going to ask you if you would join with me as we pray and ask God's continued blessing on our time this morning. So let me, let me pray. So God, we are grateful for you. We're grateful for your goodness in our life. And God, I know that that statement 
that you are good is easy for some of us to hear and to receive, but I know that that is hard for others to receive. But God, nonetheless, I pray, Father, that you would meet us exactly where we are here this morning. Father, I pray for those that are eager to hear a word from you, God, that you would speak to them. And God, I pray for those who are resistant to what it is you want to do and what it is that you would say. I pray that you would rush in, God, so that they can hear your voice. I believe that if you were to speak to us this morning, our lives couldn't help but be different. And so that is what we ask for now. We ask for your Holy Spirit to anoint your word so that we can hear it and be changed. God, I pray this in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, as we begin, I'd love to throw a question out to you this morning, and uh, the question is this. Have you ever been involved in a fixer-upper project? Now, I get the impression that there used to be something right here in this middle, middle section. Am I wrong? When I was thinking about this question and thinking about this message and thinking about all of you, I thought, what a dumb question. The whole Mission Viejo Church has been involved in a fixer-upper project. But aside from that, aside from that, has anybody here, have you ever, have you ever went and purchased an old maybe, maybe dresser or maybe you went and purchased an old car or an old house with the, with the intent of fixing it up? Anybody? Just me? Okay. Okay, that's okay. I'm going to keep rolling. But I've always been drawn to stories and to this idea of, of fixing up old things. Now, I haven't necessarily myself got around to fixing up old stuff, but I'm drawn to stories and even TV shows that breathe new life into old things. In fact, one of my favorite TV shows out right now is on this network called HGTV, and it's called Fixer Upper. Has anybody ever seen that? Oh, I got some applause for that. All right. That must be a big fan. And I'm realizing also that the shows that you're watching kind of reflect the stage of your life. As I mentioned, I just got married. So she's like, yeah, go ahead and watch those Fixer Upper projects because we're going to have a couple of those. But I love, I love this show. There's this, in the show, if you haven't seen it, there's this story or there's this couple. They're a married couple, and they take these prospective buyers, and they take them around. They show them three houses. And each of the house, they walk them through, and they're run down, they're old, they're decrepit, and they walk them through, and they show them what it could look like with a little or maybe a lot of renovation. And so then the prospective buyers, they go, and they decide what they want to do, and they come back, and they say, we want this house, and then the host says, great, and they go off to work, breathing new life into that old house. I brought a couple of pictures just so we could get a visual of what it looks like for the show and this fixer-upper, you can see like there's a before, clearly a contrast before and after. You've got an old house, new house here. Let's see this next one. You've got, a, you've got an old kitchen there, and then you've got a new kitchen, and then this last one, everybody's favorite, right? Of course, this one doesn't even have a toilet, so a good thing they put a toilet in there. But this idea of, of breathing new life, now I realize, I realize by showing you all those pictures this morning, that there's probably a spouse sitting real close, and you just got a pinch or an elbow, and I apologize because tomorrow's Labor Day, and all you wanted to do was watch Ohio State play. I apologize in advance. But I think, I think the reason that myself, the reason that we are drawn to stories and drawn to shows like this one, where they, they take something old, and they make something new, 
where they take something that's old and ran down and breathe new life into it. I think the reason that we're drawn to those is because it reveals and it uncovers a deep question and a deep desire that's in all of us. All of us want to know is can fresh new life be breathed into the old and run-down places in our lives? We want to know is what's true for that old house in that old kitchen, that old car, that old piece of furniture, is what's true for that also true for me? Can there be a before and after moment in my life? Or maybe even in my marriage? Or in my relationship with my son or with my daughter, with my family? In my finances, can fresh new life be breathed into that place? Or maybe into my hopes and dreams that I I had as a younger person. Can God breathe fresh new life into there? Or maybe, maybe into the places that I struggle, mentally, physically, sexually, emotionally. Can God breathe fresh new life into those old and run-down places in my life? That's the question that we're going to be operating on this morning as we go to God's Word. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, chapters 37. Now, Ezekiel is a book in the Bible. It is not just a clothing company. And as you're going there, we've been in the middle of a series called... Nobody knows the series we've been in? We've done a great job in our marketing. Oh, the places that we'll go. Today is the last Sunday for this this series, last episode in this series. And if you missed it, I encourage you to jump back in online and, and listen to them. And I've enjoyed this series because this series has been about discovering God's pathway for our lives. Because I don't know about you, I know about me, I know that there's times and places in my life where it's been uncertain and the, the way forward has been uncharted. In fact, I love, I listened to Jeff's message last week, and I love how, how he put it. He talked about how our lives have this bias or this propensity towards movement in there. But with so much movement and so much change in our lives, how is it that we know the best way forward? So I've loved this series, and I've loved this verse that's been attached to it, and it's that Psalm 32, verse 8 verse. And I have this for us on the screen. What I want it for us to do is to read this together. So if you would read this with me, let's read this. It says, the Lord says, hold on, hold on. Can you read this with me? Okay. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I hope that if you get anything from this series, that this verse would be etched into your brain. Every time you're making a decision, every time you're moving, you'll think, God's going to guide me. He's going he's to provide a pathway, and he's going to provide for me. But the verse that we have today, the text that we have today, is super critical. Because as we're moving, as life is moving and changing, there's places, there's times, there's seasons where things get old and run down. And so that's where we're going to pick up this morning. So if you have your Bibles or you have your phones or devices or however you get a copy of the scriptures, would you say, I got it? And the rest of you are saying, I hope that somebody has it on the screen. We do, just for you. So beginning in verse 1, it says this. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, 
And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now pause for a second. This is like a reverse Walking Dead scenario. Reverse is happening here. And, and based on my expertise in zombie movies and shows, anytime you see this, just get to high ground. Okay? Get to high ground. But we continue, verse 7. It says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. A rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. Now, this is critical to us this morning. If you have a Bible, if you have an outline, whatever it is, write this out, highlight it, whatever you've got to do, but make a note of this, because it says, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath entered them. They came to life. They stood upon their, on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, he goes on to explain this thing that's just happened or what is going on here. He explains it to him. Son, son of man, these are the bones of the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back into the land of Israel. Then, my people, you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. And then I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. In your life... What are some of the more spectacular scenes that you've witnessed? Perhaps you've taken a hike, and you got up to the highest precipice, you overlook, you see that coastline, that beautiful ocean. Or maybe you were driving one day, and you got caught up in a, in a storm, and a lightning bolt cracks and fractures that sky with fingers so long it looks like it's going to touch the ground. Or maybe you're out on that golf course one day, and you drive that golf ball, and it slices, and it ricochets off that tree, and bounces off that cart path, and rolls into that hole-in-one that nobody believes. What are some of the more spectacular scenes that you've witnessed in your life? Arguably, this scene that we've just read is one of the most spectacular scenes in all of the Bible. In the scene, you have this guy named Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is a prophet of the Lord during the, the time of the exile for Jerusalem. And the exile happened in two waves in Jerusalem in this time frame. Uh, Jerusalem had been, had been rebellious in their relationship to the Lord. And so God began to, to judge them and ultimately to bring them back. But that first wave that took place, the, the Babylonians rushed in and they, they captured the king and they, and they conquered the city. But they left a lot of the people and they, they left the temple and they left a lot of the businesses and things. So it was a shock, but it wasn't that bad. And some time went on and the people were rebellious even more. So God sent a second wave 
of, of Babylonians, but this time it was for good. They went in there, they conquered the city completely, took away all the important people, and maybe the most terrible thing of all, they destroyed their beloved temple. This is the setting in which God places Ezekiel. He takes him and he sets him in this place where there's this valley of dry bones. I don't know if you can imagine this morning, but even in this room, can you imagine if just this room was filled with, with dry bones, all spread out, all open, all bare. Now it's important, this scene, has anybody ever seen The Lion King, the movie The Lion King? A couple of us. In that movie, there's this scene where the two little lion pups, right, they kind of climb up and they overlook this precipice of what? This valley of the elephant bones, right? And that's like, it's kind of scary, but it's kind of not because it's a Disney movie, right? But in this, what they are depicting is something so much more horrifying and hopeless. He sets them in this place. Now think about this. Every set of bones, it wasn't just one or two humans, but rather it was a, it was a community, a nation that laid bare. It wasn't just one or two, it was, a, it, was a, it was a whole bunch of them. Each set of bones represented your life, your life. People that had hopes, they had dreams, they had aspirations, they had conversations, they had desires, they had things that they wanted to accomplish, things that they wanted to do. But yet here they lay, barren, on this floor. The scene is so terrible that God asks Ezekiel this question. He says, son of man, can those bones live? And Ezekiel's answer reveals the, the hopelessness and the horrifying situation. He says, oh God. He says, only you can know that. Only you can know that. And then God does something kind of unexpected. He says, Ezekiel, you see the valley of dry bones. Now what I want you to do is I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak to those dry bones. Now would you pause for a moment with me for a second? Sometimes when we read the Bible, we, we just think these characters, they just knew exactly what to do. Can I just tell you that Ezekiel wasn't standing there with God, if you will, and as soon as God says that, he wasn't thinking, I know what to do. This is Ezekiel 37. I'm going to prophesy and stuff's going to happen. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. No, no, no. Ezekiel was a person just like you and I was. He heard God say that. He said, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you on this one. I'm going to step out. And I'm going to do this. Now, I don't mean to be morbid or anything, but has anybody ever been to a funeral that had an open casket? I'll just raise my hand for everybody. Can you imagine, as you're walking up to pay great old Aunt Lena your last respect, who lived to the, to the young old age of 93, and as you're getting up there, God speaks to you and says, Mike, prophesy to, that, to these dry bones. Now, let me tell you what happens in that moment. Two things, two scenarios. One, they take you away and they put you in a padded room. The other thing is that everybody runs out of the room as great Aunt Lena gets up out of that coffin and starts serving everybody lemonade. Either way, Ezekiel got to witness something spectacular. And he obeys the word of the Lord. Look what it says in verse 4. It says, 
Ezekiel speaking, he says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I'm going to make breath, which is also translated wind or spirit, enter you and you will come to life. I'll attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. And then I'm going to put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. And like a scene out of a science fiction movie, suddenly there's a sound off in the distance. And another sound and a rattling. And before long, the, the once still floor is moving. And femurs start to connect to hip bones. And clavicles start to connect to rib cages. And all of a sudden, where there was once death and nothing happening and dry bones, all of a sudden begins to form up into what used to be God's beautiful creation, capable of holding hopes and dreams and life once again. But hear this. It all started with a word. It all began to move. It all began to formulate with the word of the Lord, with what God spoke. The word that came out of God through Ezekiel is when life began to reform, rebuild, and be recreated. Have you ever been in a hopeless situation? I'm not talking about when February comes around and there's no more football for the next seven to eight months. I'm talking about being in a real hopeless situation. I've been in hopeless places in my life. There's been plenty of times where I've been without work, wondering what I'm going to do. There was a time where I wanted to go to seminary to continue my education, but just couldn't afford it. And there was a time in my life where I wondered if I was ever going to get married to a girl in Orange County. And then a phone call comes in, says, you got the job. An email comes across my desk that says, you got the scholarship. And a hangout with a buddy that says, I've got a girl that I want you to meet. If you're wondering, it is her. <laughs> but it all starts with the word. You see, I don't know what the hopelessness you are facing, what you're in, but I know that it starts with the word. That God says, hey, it can be different. We can change this. We can beat this. We can move past this. But it starts with, with a word. But you also got to hear this part to the story. Is that that's not where the story ended. It didn't say that God spoke and then things happened. Things did happen. Life began to form. But did that life come back to life? Not a trick question. The answer is no. Because there's this second part that takes place in the story. Remember, we highlighted that part. All of this activity, all of this stuff happens, but there's that part that says, but there was no breath in them. And you see, this is the part that I think is key for us this morning. This is the part that is key to our question. Can God breathe new and fresh life into those old and rundown places in our lives? This is what's key here. Look what verse 7 says in the story. It says, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and things happened. There was a noise, rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin, but there was no breath. You see, what the author is wanting us to see from this passage this morning is this idea of, of God's breath breathing. And the word, the word in this, this passage is translated ruach. Turn to your neighbor and say, ruach. Turn to your other neighbor and say, what did he say? This word ruach, 
It's used nine times in, this, in just 14 verses because the author wants you to, to feel the importance and the weight of what's happening in this story. It's also translated wind and, and spirit and breath. They're all interchangeable on purpose. Because it's God's spirit that's key to anything that God forms. You know, we see this pattern in Scripture. That if you look at Genesis 2, when you read Genesis 2, when God begins to form human beings, what does it say? It says that he formed human beings out of the what? The, the what? The dust, the dirt of the ground, right? And so God formed human beings, but there also, when you look at Genesis 2, it says, but there was no life in them until God breathed his breath into them, and then the human being became alive. We see it in Genesis 2. We also see it in 1 Kings 8, when Solomon finally finishes the construction of the temple, which I have no doubt was as glorious as this temple that you have here. Once he finishes that, nothing happens until the Ark of the Covenant is brought in. Then Scripture tells us that the glory of the Lord filled that place and life began to happen in the temple. We also see this in the New Testament. Jesus, Jesus who is also known as the what? The Word. Jesus, the Word, sent to earth. And he begins to call people to himself saying, you can follow me. You can follow me. He begins to create and form a new covenant people. But, but it's not until Acts 2 where we see God breathing his spirit into those people and into those church where life begins to happen. You see, there's this pattern where God forms and creates with his word. But there's also a pattern in scripture where it says, and then God breathes his life into the form and it has life. I can, I can testify to this in my own story. I have been called to be a pastor. Some of you are saying, like, yeah, I know. That's why you're standing up there. One of the things that pastors have to do is preach. I hope that wasn't shocking for anybody. But we have to preach, which means I have to work very, very hard. I work hard. I work hard to pray. I work hard to read the text, to look at commentaries, to study, to craft, to revise. I work so hard. Now, some of you are saying, if that guy works so hard, why isn't he any better? But you don't know how bad I might have been. <laughs> but even I know, even I know that for all of my working, for all of my crafting, for all of my forming, that if God doesn't breathe his breath into those words, they're going to fall on deaf, ground, deaf ears. And the same is true for us this morning. I know that we work hard on our relationships. I know that we have projects that we are so passionate about, that we care so much about, and we work so hard at. I know we work hard at our finances. I know we work hard at our hopes and our dreams. I know we work hard on those areas that we struggle, but I have to tell you that if God doesn't breathe his spirit into those projects, into those things, into those relationships, it's just a bunch of lifeless bodies lying on the ground. But in the story, after it's all formed, God begins to breathe his spirit in. He begins to breathe his spirit in. Where are you hoping this morning? Where are you working? Where are you crafting? Where are you forming? Where are you trying to renovate? 
Where are you hoping that God will, will usher in, will, will breathe his spirit into that project, that relationship? Where is that? Because this is what I know. I know, this is a very profound statement, I know that without air, we don't live very long. That was a joke. It's not that profound. But I know that we, without air, we don't live very long. In fact, I actually need your help this morning to help me prove that theory. In a moment, what I'm going to ask all of you to do is to hold your breath for 10 seconds. Hold your breath for 10 seconds. Now, if you have respiratory issues or if this is like not a good idea, then please don't do that. I know that we have an excellent security team, but I just don't want to test them out this morning, if that's okay. But what I, I do want you to participate with me. And so I'm gonna, I've got my watch here, and I'm going to watch it, and it's just 10 seconds. It's just 10 seconds, right? Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. Ready, set, go. And stop. Okay, now we're going to go for 60 seconds. You ready? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. These guys right here are about passed out in 10 seconds. We can't go any further than that. But now what I would like you to do is, you know, however you got to posture yourself, I'm going to ask you to take three deep belly breaths. Not on your chest, 